0: Welcome to another edition of Colourful Kid Podcast Extra with myself, Tom Harrison. Well, we're into March, and March means things are hotting up. Things are hotting up in in wet in the weather (laughs) I'm currently looking outside it's nice and sunny we're into double figures here in the UK so not too bad and more importantly things are hotting up in Mexican football we're halfway through the clausura or the regular stage of the clausura nine games in and we're also into the knockout stages of Copa MX and the semi-finals of the CONCACAF Champions League. So, we're getting really to the crunch stage of the season. As I mentioned over the weekend, we, we've now got a good idea of who's in form, who's out of form, what most sides' tactics are, and now it's, it's all about that push, who's gonna get into those Laguia positions, and who's gonna stave off relegation. And that's going to be the focus of our big topic today, the relegation battle, because we had a very interesting game over the weekend on Saturday night between Morelia and Veracruz. There's two sides that sat 18th and 17th in the relegation table. Now, Morelia went into the game two points behind Veracruz, so knew that a win at their home stadium would be enough to move them out of that single relegation spot and they got that win and very very important victory it was a tight cagey game there weren't too many clear chances but Morelia did more on the night Veracruz managed just two attempts on target and I think they edged the game and, and they had the key moment the key moment was um Surprisingly, in in many ways, it was a centre-back who was found in the box, Emmanuel Luis taken down by Cristian Alvarez. And the Peruvian Raul Ruiz Diaz, top scorer for Morelia this season, stepped up and sent the keeper the wrong way, smashed home his penalty. Cool as you like. And gave Morelia a very, very important three points. So the relegation standings currently are uh, as follows Veracruz sit in 18th their total points over the past six tournaments is 105 Marnacas morelia are on 106 points so just one point ahead and then in 16th we have chiapas on 110 so five points clear of Veracruz four clear of morelia A little bit further up we have Puebla on 114 then Cruz Azul up to 116 after their victory over Chiapas this weekend so looking at those standings I think it's fair to say that it's probably gonna be a three horse race with just nine games to go it's difficult to see Veracruz making up a nine-point gap onto Puebla it is not impossible um, you never know, Puebla could, could not win a game for the rest of the season but I'm gonna say that it's likely to be a three horse race between Chiapas, Morelia and Veracruz, so let's have a look at those three teams have a little think of, about how they're getting along, what their strengths and weaknesses are and then make a, an estimate a, a well thought out estimate of who is gonna go down So to start with Veracruz, now Veracruz uh, made the I guess safe decision uh, to bring back Carlos Reynoso uh, after a very poor start to Pablo Marini's time in charge of Los Tiburones Rojos. Now Reynoso had previously been in charge for uh, I think about a year and a half. He started off very well, they had a very good season, but um, they quickly, you know, did, things quickly deteriorated with Verde Cruz, and they were consistently getting worse during their time with Reynoso in charge. Now, he came back and initially things didn't improve much, but um, it was always a, a pretty safe bet yeah, to bring in Reynoso. now... Reynoso isn't someone who's gonna give you attractive football at all, as I've mentioned before. He's someone who likes to play direct, he likes to play fairly defensive, and he likes to play safe, really, and try to grind out results. And he started off the season by doing that, and they looked pretty good to stay up after home victories tight you know like i said scraping results they were there was a one nil against caretaro there was a one nil against atlas there was a two nil against chapas so home victories against the sort of teams that they know they can pick up points against you know not the strong teams those sorts of games that are, are really crucial or can be really crucial because you know you can pick up points from anywhere but those sorts of games can be really crucial in, in your battles to survive. Those home, winnable home games. And they've won the winnable home games. The problem is, since the 2-0 over Chiapas, they've gone four games without scoring. And they've lost three of those games 1-0. So, you know, like I said, they, they're, they're doing well in terms of keeping things tight and playing defensive football. They lost 3-0 to Tigres, but hey, that's Tigres, you know. Tigres have such an incredible attack but they only conceded one at Toluca, they conceded one at Pachuca but if you can't score then it's difficult to get results so what you have to say is credit to Reynoso for solidifying the defence and creating a side that's tough to score against but they've got to have more of an attacking threat. Now at the start of the season I was impressed with Angel Arena I thought that he was bringing that creativity to the side that had been lacking for a long, long time, and he started well, but he's gone off the boil lately. And you know what? I'm not a fan of of the the lineups that Veracruz have been playing recently. A lot of the time lately, it's been a front two of Chiletita Orozco and Lalo Herrera. Now, both of those players have histories of scoring goals you know neither of them have been consistent goal scorers but both of them have done it on occasion you know Orozco had that incredible final um, for Santos when he scored four goals and pretty much won the Ligue Mekis title single-handedly but the problem with these two players is they're not particularly mobile you know Herrera is a old-fashioned target man I guess you could call him you know, he's big, he's strong, he will win aerial challenges, he can finish chances if he gets them, but he's not quick, he's not going to drag defences around, he's not going to create much himself. So, he can be an important part of the team, but you need the right players around him. When he was great for Pumas, he had the right players around him. He had fantastic uh, wide man, he had the movement of Britos and Sosa, to create things, to create space around him. Playing up front with Chiletito Orozco, you're not going to get much movement. And I just think that, that them as a pairing is too easy to defend against. You know, I, I, I can imagine that Reynoso thinking we need to get some more goals has thought, well, let's go two up front instead of a 4-3-3 a three, three or a 4-2-3-1. Let's play with two men up front that's going to give us more of a chance of getting goals, but the problem with that is, you've you've got to have mobility in your strikers, and defenders love playing against strikers that don't move much, because they're easy to mark. And that's the problem with Lalo Herrera and Chilitito Orozco. So for me, that's something that's got to change. Looking at the rest of their fixtures, where are they going to pick up points? Well, at home. Absolutely at home. And you know looks like the home form if they're going to stay up is going to be the key they've got four home games left this season so only four out of nine which is a you know problem sorry four out of eight it's it's eight games left not nine um but three of them are very winnable puebla coming up next week Cru- crucial crucial game then cruz azul a couple of weeks later and two weeks after that necaxa so three winnable games there And if they pick up nine points from them, they've got a fantastic chance of staying up. The other home game, Monterey. That could be the problem, though. If they don't pick up points in those games, you look at their run-in. Pumas away, Monterey at home, Tijuana away. Three potentially very tricky games against sides that that should be right in that Ligia hunt. Perhaps their saving grace will be that a couple of their sides might have already qualified for gear and maybe taken their foot off the gas. Veracruz could take advantage of that. But if not, then that's a very tough run in. So, looking at Veracruz, um, I would say the key is change up that front line, get more movement in the, in the front line. You know, don't play Herrera and Chiletita and win those home games. I think they've got a, a good chance of doing so, though. Like I said, Reynoso is is a master of scraping victories. Moving on, let's talk about Morelia. So, Morelia last season were very exciting under Mesa. They had a a thrilling front line, scoring goals for fun, but conceded way, way too many and couldn't pick up enough points to push them out of the relegation. Um problem. Now they also, like Veracruz, brought in Marini and in a similar fashion he didn't last very long. We now have the 49-year-old Roberto Hernandez in charge who has been at Morelia for a long time now and has has done some previous short stints. So he knows the club well and uh, perhaps they thought he was a safe bet in that sense. You know, rather than getting a uh, taking a risk and bringing someone who'd have to adapt to the club, to the area, uh, to to the rest of the coaching staff and the board, they've they've got someone who knows the club well, and that might be a good decision on on that front, in terms of picking up quick points. And you know, so far, pretty good. I guess that whenever over Veracruz was absolutely massive, and it's moved them out of the relegation zone. Um, in terms of their squad, I think it's a similar thing to last season. I think they've improved a lot defensively, but you know the, the stats show that. Only ten goals conceded in nine games, but they have lost some of their attacking flair because they've only uh, scored nine in nine games. But in terms of the quality of the squad, it does look to be top-heavy. You know, Rui Diaz has 15 goals this season. I think he's a very, very good striker. Um, The attacking midfielder, Diego Valdez, is talented, the Chilean. They've got plenty of good wingers in the team, from uh, Andy Polo, the new Peruvian who's done well, Christian Pena, Jefferson Cuero, and a couple of Mexicans as well, Jorge Zarate and uh, Rodolfo Vilchis all players who are not consistently great but on their day can cause a lot of problems but defensively like i said that there is some weakness there but all around they're a decent side and you know they're only really in this relegation problem because of the horrendous season they had 2 years ago when in the apertura they picked up 10 points in the clausura 13 and since then 23 points 28 points 20 points those aren't tallies of a side that should be in relegation trouble if they stay up this season they're going to shoot up the tabla de cociente because they'll lose that uh, 2014-15 season from their average points so they've just got to do enough to stay up this season and so far they're just about doing enough looking at their games, they've got um, a decent run in, I would say. I think a, a, it's a similar finish, though, to Veracruz because they play Pumas and Monterrey uh, in their final two games. Uh, they're at home to Pumas, though, and away to Monterrey. But they also have Nacaxa, they also have uh, Puebla coming up soon. León at home is is definitely winnable. The way that León are playing right now, they're bottom of the table. So you know, Cruz Azul, Chivas at home. There's a lot of games in there that could go either way. You know, there's none of those games that you think really that they should be winning, but none of those games that you think well that you, they're not going to pick up something there. You know, there's no trips to Tigres or um, well, there is a trip to Pachuca next week, but. On the whole, I'd say there's a lot of games there where they can pick up points, and they look to me—I don't know—I—I—I I th- I think that you know—I—I I can't underestimate how important that win over Veracruz is. It's going to give them so much of a confidence boost, and it's you know it's put them ahead of them, and I think that's huge. But having said that, if Veracruz go and win against Puebla at home next week, Morelia lose to Pachuca. The tides have turned and Morelia are back in bottom place. So I think it's gonna be very close between those two sides. But for me, Morelia have a bit more quality in the squad. Finally Chiapas. Now Chiapas are a very tough team to to probably analyze because no one no one's like them, you know. There is no one in the league that are like them. They've beaten Chivas America, uh, Tigres, Toluca. They've lost to Veracruz, they've lost to um, Morelia, they've lost to Puebla, they've lost to Cruz Azul. They're a strange team. And you know, I'm not going to go into their style of football. I've 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 talked about that endlessly before, but it's It's the opposite the opposite to Veracruz, to be honest. It's the complete opposite style. They have a decent lead. Five points in the relegation table is a good lead, but they're the sort of team that you can see them not picking up any more points for the rest of the season. (laughs) Because they they don't have reliable goal scorers. They don't have reliable defenders. You know, Mosquera's come back and Mosquera is starting for them now and that concerns me. He's 35, he's way past his best. I just don't think he's good enough anymore. Looking at their games, Leon at home next week is enormous. What a winnable game that is. They've been fantastic at home this season. You know, Three of their four wins have come at home in Tuxla Gutierrez. So, León, I know they haven't been great against the small teams this season, but León is such a winnable game. Their other home games are Pumas, Tijuana and Santos. So, you know, not not easy. Um, certainly not as easy as León appears to be. The running, though, does look decent compared to the Veracruz and Morelia run-ins. Querétaro away, Santos home, Atlas away are their final three games, so all winnable. I think with Chiapas, the thing is, they're not going to do what you expect them to do, but I think their consistent inconsistency, perhaps you could say, of of producing crazy results will be enough to keep them up because they'll get a shock win here and there, you know? Who knows, they they may go and lose to León and Necaxa, but beat Pumas and Monterey. They're that sort of team. And with the five-point lead, I think it's going to be enough for them to stay up. So assessing everything, all three teams, I'm going to completely change my mind. I know I've changed my mind. I've now predicted all three teams at some point will go down. But now I'm going to say... And, I, yeah, don't predict the one guys, just don't bet on it, don't do it. I have proof from a guy who used to work in betting that it's a terrible league to bet on. It's one of the most profitable leagues, apparently, for um, betting companies. So, yeah, don't bet on it. But I'm going to say Veracruz to go down. I think that the lack of goals is, in, in recent games is concerning. And even though they have a tight defence... That doesn't concede too many. I just think that they don't have enough of a goal threat. I think Morelia have too much of a goal threat, and Chiapas will surprise and pick up the odd result. So, my prediction now, even though they have Reynoso, who is so good at scraping results, my prediction is that Veracruz will go down, and if they do, there won't be too many Liga Mechies fans or officials, really, that um, will be disappointed with that. They're a highly controversial club, not too many people pleased with, with how it's being run. So they're the sort of team that, if they go down, I don't think it's going to be a blow to the league, much of a blow to the league. Um, although I say that um, with with some regret, because you know not all their fans are the sort of fans that Want to start fights and cause trouble. I'm sure they have plenty of great fans who, you know, are respectful and just want to want to go and enjoy a football match. But unfortunately, there's problems in Veracruz in the in the city as a whole. There's problems with the team, and so they wouldn't be too missed from Liga Castillo! <laughs> Right. Moving on to my player of the week. And this week it is the Puma striker Nicolas Castillo, who is now top scorer in Liga MX after bagging two goals in Pumas's uh, 2-1 win over Santos. The question, what makes Castillo such a good striker? And the answer is his off-the-ball movement. Now, good strikers, often, when you look at them, you, you can see, you, well, you see the obvious. You see how good they are at finishing chances. But the real key is can you get yourself into the position where you're going to have yourself a great scoring chance because if you don't you can be the best finisher in the world but if you never get into those positions where you can finish you're not going to score goals and that partly is you know as I, as you know, i'm sure you know football is a collective game it's it's about the individual but it's about the team as a whole uh, more so so you're relying on your teammates to provide you with service as well as as yourself getting into the right position but what you can control is your movement and to get yourself into those positions where you can score goals from and that is what castillo does so so well both goals on sunday were great examples of this the first one he sees pablo barrera just coming inside and Barrera has a bit of space, a bit of time now. At that moment he knows that he's going to, that Barrera is going to have a chance to get his head up and try and pick out a pass. So what does Castillo do? He makes his run. He makes his run right at that moment. The perfect timing. He gets in behind Mr. Araujo finishes it off. one Pumas. Second half, he's in kind of a wide left position. Um, the Tigres' defense are very narrow, so he's Sorry, the Tigres? Why did I say Tigres? The Santos defence are very narrow. And he so he, he kind of holds this position quite wide left, uh, unmarked. He sees Barrera beat his man. He knows in this moment the cross is coming in. What does he do? He makes his run. He times it to perfection. And he gets in on the blind side of Colossus Girdos. Perfect time, simple tap-in. So, both scenarios, it was that off-the-ball movement that's created the opportunity for him. We saw something similar with another player I could have gone for as my player of the week, Alan Pulido. Both of his goals for Chivas uh, in their victory that's moved them up to first place in the table came from off-the-ball movement, particularly that second one where he just pulled away from the defender which gave him that little bit of space to take the touch and get the shot off. And the touch wasn't even great. It was a pretty poor touch. But that movement that he made, made sure that he could take a not great touch and still get the shot off. And he finished well. So key thing, you know, great strikers, it's, they've got to have intelligent off the ball movement. And they don't have to be moving all game long. But it's, when they do move, It's gotta be the right time, the right runs, to create the goal scoring opportunities for themselves. And that's something that, you know, coming back to Veracruz, perhaps, with Herrera and Orozco, they don't have good enough off the ball movement to create themselves those opportunities. Okay, so, let's finish off as ever with your questions and some very interesting questions this week so let's get straight into it first one from a good friend of the show at forte 232 now Alejandro asks a couple of questions first of all what's your favorite EPL team and then also what Liga Mekis team player do you think is most overrated so favorite EPL team is um, Tottenham and it's a team that I used to support quite a lot when I was young. I don't I find myself not really caring much anymore. I you know, I'm I'm not and currently I'm not that interested, to be honest. And it's a club that I don't have really strong connections with. Um I don't have strong connections with any big club really. My dad is a Chelsea fan, but I wasn't brought up by my dad, so I don't feel much of a connection to them. Uh, so, yeah, Tottenham, but I don't really care too much. Most overrated team? I don't think any team is really overrated in Liga MX right now. I think everyone kind of acknowledges that there's so much parity in the league and there's no standout team. Player-wise, I said this before on, on I think it was it might have been an episode of this or maybe it was a, a question on Twitter or something. I would say Gignac is very overrated in my opinion you know people act like he is sort of on on another planet to everyone else in the league they just don't see it, he he is a fantastic player yes, but apart from Ligia, his form this whole season Apertura and Clausura, has not been very good it really hasn't and you know he he's not he's not what's the word I'm looking for he's not sort of invincible you know he misses chances he misses a lot of chances I would say so yeah I think Gignac is is overrated uh, perhaps also looking at particularly how he's performed this season Rogelio Funes-Mori he's a he's a striker that um, offers you some good hold up play he offers a target he he does you know he does finishes. Finished chances fairly well but yeah he, he's he's not as influential for Monterrey as Dolan Pabon for sure and you know I don't think they should be talked about in the same respect and this season he's been pretty poor hasn't scored many so yeah maybe is more as well but yeah I think Chignac, I think he's overrated and I've said this before and um, he, ha- he hasn't particularly proved me wrong although he was fantastic in Ligia, and yeah, perhaps that's it, perhaps he just, he knows the Liga Miki system and he's saving himself for Ligia. But then again, with the chances he misses, you know, he, he's not missing them on purpose. Next one from uh, Francisco, at Francisco EFV, who asked, do you think Shalos are serious title contenders? Yeah, absolutely, they, they look as good as anyone. To be honest, they, uh, they're they scoring goals for fun this season. I've mentioned it many times on this podcast, on the Colourful Kit podcast, about how well they've dealt with the losses of Moreno and Alce. And uh, yeah, I think they're a threat for any team. They are very strong at home. They lost to Pachuca on the weekend, but they've won 11 of their last 14 home Liga Mekis games. I think they're definitely serious title contenders Herrera has been there done it before in the past he knows he knows how to win big games so yeah um, I would say for me they're one of the strongest contenders for the title and I think it was there was a some sort of statistical study that, that found that they had the most percentage chance I'm not sure how they worked it out but they found that Xolos had the highest percentage chance of winning the league so Absolutely, strong title contenders for me. A few more to go. Uh, at Tiro de Esquina, 96, asked, How far will Mexico advance the U20 World Cup? Uh, to be honest, I can't really help you here. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I don't have a great knowledge of all the youth teams in the world right now. I, and youth football's hard to predict at the best of times. What I would say on this topic is, I don't think, Like I understand why people care, because you know, people love Mexico, people love El Tri, they want, they want all their teams to do well, whether it be the men's senior team, or the women's youth teams, they want all the teams to do well, which is understandable, because you're a Mexico fan, but at the end of the day, what really matters is senior football, and youth football, is not about really winning. It's about development. Inevitably, the whole team are not going to make it. 50% of the team are not going to make it. But three or four players from a squad will go on to be Mexico players for you know a few years to come. And what is key is how those players develop. You know, so what I'd say when you watch these games is... Don't worry too much about the result. Don't worry that US beat Mexico. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are there two or three or four players that stand out and look like they can go on to play senior level international football? In that regard, particularly with Ronaldo Cisneros, it looks like right now there are some in, in the Mexico squad. So don't worry too much about the result. Don't worry too much about how they go for, how far they go. Just, you know, are the players developing? Are they learning? Are they ready for that senior football? Do they look like they have big potential? That's, that's what I focus on when you watch these youth games. At Adolfo CV asks, um, as Mex teams get more competitive, the more I miss the Libertadores, we could be challenging for that cup. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that Mexican teams could be challenging. has proved that. Tigres have have got even stronger on paper than they were back then, and they got to the final that year. It's it's a tough one, you know. To be honest, I think that because of the distance they had to travel, I don't think it was ever really feasible to do both Libertadores and Liga MX with the current schedule, with the travelling involved i'm not sure it was right on teams or players that they did both so you know what i'm really hoping for and i'd love this from a personal level is an improvement in air technology air transport technology (laughs) i say this often to my to, to my friends and stuff you know how we've improved so much in technology yet we've got slower at traveling because Um, after Concorde was decommissioned it takes us longer to fly places and I know Concorde only did a couple of routes but flights haven't increased in speed very much and this is holding back the development of world football because it takes too long to travel the distance between South America and Mexico to play midweek games right now I, I do think is too long and that's why we saw so many Mexican teams sending reserves and you know, it was pointless it was pretty pointless that, that those teams that sent reserves were in the competition. And it was a horrible headache for managers. Because, of course, you want to take the Libertadores seriously. It's so much bigger than the Concacaf Champions League. It's such a reputable tournament. The, the history behind it, the atmosphere of the games, it's huge. And I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. You know, I, if, if Mexican teams, if there could be a solution where Mexican teams could play in it without putting too much strain on players without managers having to pick between either that or the league then I would absolutely love it and I agree, I think the squads that Mexican teams have right now they could be competitive and we could have some fantastic games against the giants of South American football but because of the schedule because of the the difficulties of travelling right now I'm not too disappointed that there's no Mexican team in the Libertadores but I do miss it a bit, definitely. And finally, uh, one on Copa Amieckis. Johnny Rico asks, is the winner of Copa Amieckis going to come out of the Cholos America match? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I think Copa Amieckis this year is going to be fairly interesting. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting last year. We have now four rounds of knockout football. We have a lot of strong teams in it. There's only three Ascenso teams left, oh, there's there's America Cholos. So you've got Chivas in there, you've got Monterrey, you've got León, Cruz Azul, Santos, Toluca, Querétaro, the holders, lots of strong teams that could go on and win this tournament, and particularly for those teams that look like they might not make it into Ligia, this is a fantastic chance to win something, or to keep hold of your job, you know? I'm looking at that Leon-Crucesur game. That's huge. That's absolutely huge for Torrente and Jemez, who are both under massive pressure. Who'd have, who'd have thought that? A Copper ramiris game that could decide the you know, the career of a manager. It, but it, it looks to me like that could. It's a huge game. If Leon lose, they pretty much have nothing to play for the rest of the season. They'd have to go on an incredible run to make it into Ligia. So... Yeah, Copa Mekis with an extra knockout round I think is becoming more reputable. You're seeing this with stronger teams being played. You're seeing um, less youngsters getting time from it because yeah, less rotation is being made. We're not just seeing 11 changes every game anymore. The stat I can give you to back this up is that there are four U20 goal scorers in Liga Mekis this season and the same number of Copa Mekis. Four. I know there's only been four rounds of games, but normally you'd expect that number to be a lot higher than for League of Mackeys. so we're seeing the tournament being taken more seriously, and it's making it more interesting from a fan's perspective, perhaps coming at the cost of youth development, of giving youth a chance to play in proper competitive football, not youth football, but it's making it more interesting, and I think that's it's being proven with. Uh, I think we're seeing some higher attendances, particularly at The Schalos America game is going to be a, a great spectacle, I think. And yeah, I think the tournament's going to be interesting for the for the rest of the competition. Who's going to win it? I don't know. Schalos America are good candidates, but there's a lot of strong contenders out there. And yeah, I, 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 I as I said, I think it's going to be an interesting tournament. So. Um, one that's tough for me to watch but I would recommend yeah, you guys, midweek games watch some Copa All alright guys that is it for another week of the colourful kit podcast extra if you did enjoy then I always appreciate uh, any likes retweets etc and if you have a question for next week then just um, get it in, hit me up on twitter thanks to the guys once again for sending in this week's questions, many interesting ones to talk about a couple uh, other notes um the in the colorful kit podcast family as i'm now referring to it there is a, a episode of the colorful kit podcast with myself and raul that went up last night we discussed pretty much all things league mx going on right now um, how the league is shaping up midway through the season so well worth a listen the Chivas del Norte podcast will be back for a third episode this week and I'm sure they're going to have a much more positive uh, podcast as the, uh, the Guadalajara side have gone top this week as opposed to not going top after losing at Chiapas last week so yeah, if you're a Chivas fan definitely worth checking that one out okay guys Thanks very much again for listening, and I will see you all next week. Have a good week.